Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality, so you can be sure. With upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive. And start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trana. Thank you for listening. We have a great podcast for you this week. Jimmy Kimmel, executive producer of a new 30 for 30 about the 1986 New York Mets, Once Upon a Time in Queens on ESPN this week, is on the show along with Cousin Sal, who's also an executive producer. We don't just talk about the 30 for 30 documentary uh, we do cover that, obviously, but we also talk about late night, the art of the interview, and uh, Jimmy's time as a NFL on Fox host. Talks about Terry and Howie not exactly being fans of his. Um, also talk about Jimmy Kimmel having a bowl game named after him, and uh, a lot of other sort of entertaining pop culture type things with Jimmy Kimmel and Cousin Sal. And then we have our weekly train of thought segment with Sal Licata, where we uh, talk about some NFL week one observations on television and um, get into some things about the MTV Music Awards. So that's today's show. If you missed any recent episodes of the SI Media Pod, go into the archives and give them a listen. Tony Romo was on the podcast last week. Other recent guests include Nate Burleson, Joe Buck, Roman Reigns, Chris Russo, Ian Eagle. So check all those out in the archives and uh, subscribe to the SI Media Podcast and leave a review. I will read all five-star reviews in the Train of Thought segment. We do that again this week with Sal. All right, here we go with this week's Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. First up, Jimmy Kimmel and Cousin Sal right here on the SI Media Pod. All right, joining me now... Been trying to get this guy for a long time. Finally oh, makes it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and he is joined by Cousin Sal. That's Jimmy Kimmel. We got Jimmy Kimmel and Cousin Sal to talk about the upcoming 30 for 30 on the 86 Mets, Once Upon a Time in Queens. 
gentlemen, thanks for coming on the SI Media Podcast. I'm glad we could finally do this. Um, and by the way, I know people are mostly listening to this, but if you get a chance to watch the video and you can really see the beautiful job Jimmy's done with his backdrop um, for this <laughs> podcast, I mean, he, <laughs> somebody pr- looks like somebody printed out some Sports Illustrated wrapping paper for so- you and half taped it to the wall. So here's what happened, Jimmy. I um, This is two enormous weeks here for my podcast because I had Tony Romo last week who doesn't do podcasts. Mm-hmm. And now I have Jimmy Kimmel this week. And the backdrop that I always use broke. And oh. I panicked and literally just taped this to a box. So that's my background. <laughs> it, looks, it looks great. Yeah. And it, how did it go with Tony? Who's living in the box? Uh, I'll answer Jimmy first. Okay. Yeah. No, it, it went very well with Tony. Very, very fun. You've had him on the show, right? On your show? Not only have we had him on the show, yeah. Sal, Tony, and I vacationed together. Yes. Nice. And our wives as well. Excellent. I spoke to him today, actually, uh, about an hour ago. But yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> it's amazing that I would have you guys back to back then. Oh, yeah. 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 So where, where did you vacation with Tony? We're, we went up to Healdsburg, California. Mm-hmm. I think it was like some right. chair. I bought some like charity weekend in Healdsburg and we invited Tony and his wife, Candace, and we all went up and Sal drove Tony crazy. And in fact, something f- very funny. You remember Sal happened? You know, they have these um, these random drug tests that the NFL does. It doesn't matter where you are. They'll come to you and they'll come find you and they make you pee in a cup. And we tortured the guy. The guy guy comes up with a a plastic cup and like we insisted on being in the room when Tony gave the sample. (laughs) Right. Uh, We asked the guy a million questions about all the different guys that he'd been and he tested about their penises, (laughs) about everything. (laughs) This guy didn't know what he was getting into. I have more pictures of this guy, I think, than my second-born child there. We, we, we went crazy, right? Now everyone gets tested all the time, did but this was like a big event for us. Just, uh, did you take pictures of him doing the drug test? Basically, as much as we could get away with. We were in the door. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was fun. I mean, when you think about it, like Tom Brady, 44 years old, married to Giselle, probably has like, you know, $200 million and – Someone's got to make him pee in a cup still at this point. Is it? like yeah. the whole thing is pretty ridiculous. Make him. I it. mean, what a pleasure it is to pee in a cup, <laughs> really. <laughs> you know, the thing about peeing in the cup is the cups could be bigger. Like they, they don't know where you're at as far as bladder goes. And they right. should, I think, allow for more. I have had situations at the doctor where I'm like, okay, I'm either going to need another cup or I'm going to need to shift over. <laughs> they they everyone and yeah i mean everyone getting the same standard size no matter your age no matter where you are in life it does seem they should at least have like a small medium large like a restaurant he was an aging he was an aging quarterback i think he was in his late 50s by then so yeah (laughs) and it's weird how the nfl does it how they do the test is totally bizarre because the guy does he takes the sample and then right in front of tony he takes a little sip of it and he tells him whether there's anything (laughs) wrong (laughs) it's very very odd (laughs) yeah that threw us for a loop the uh and from what I've heard from NFL players, they tell you when you're going to get tested. So it's not difficult to beat it. Like you have to be really dumb to fail. NFL players have told me you have to be really dumb to fail a drug test in the NFL. So Well, I think that what happened was I think you get like 24 hours notice. So, yeah, you, you know, you can only be, you know, I think you have to 
play it pretty safe in general. There were two days, there's a steroid test and then there's the, just the, like the drug test, right? This was, I forget which one this was. Right. I don't know. But either way, it's funny that the guy had to drive four hours to like, you could be in Europe and I guess they had someone on hand to uh, find you and, and test you within the, the day. The NFL runs America in case anyone. Yeah, that's it. true. Didn't yeah. know that already. <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm going to try so hard not to just ask you a million Howard Stern questions because your friend, because when you said you went on vacation with Tony, the first thing in my head as a diehard Stern fan is, you know, you and Howard are supposed to go to Italy. And then co- I guess COVID happened and, like Howard in Italy as a Stern fan, I want to see that happen because I think you would come back with some great stories next time you're on his show. But um, I'll yeah, you, well, I would like to see that happen too, and I think his wife yeah. would like to see it happen. I don't. <laughs> I think the odds are very low that it will ever happen now, especially since yes. COVID really grabbed the headlines as the uh, Italy rather grabbed the headlines as center of COVID at the beginning. Yeah. I think I think those I think those hopes are shot. He yeah. hasn't had pizza in six months, so yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't we could get him to Little point. Italy at this point. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, if you get him to Manhattan, that would that would be <laughs> a win at this point. Speaking of Manhattan um, and Queens and New York, Once Upon a Time in Queens, it's a two part. It's four parts over two nights documentary, thirty for thirty. Always tremendous on ESPN. Uh, September fourteenth, September fifteenth on the eighty six Mets. Who, whose idea was this documentary? Not ours. It was Nick Davis's idea. Yep. Nick Davis, who directed the PBS documentary about Ted Williams, approached us and said, hey, would you guys like to be a part of this um, with Major League Baseball? Nick Trotta, who works for Major League Baseball, who is also one of the executive producers, um, said, yes, we would be interested in doing this with Nick. And And the question that I think Sal and I, the first question and really the most important question we asked was, is this going to be whitewashed? You know, is this going to be something where we have to keep the brand of Major League Baseball and the Mets in mind? And they said no. And I said, I I really like I want to get it in writing because I don't want to do this if it's going to be some Disney version of what really happened that year. And and they said, no, no, it is. And and we didn't get one note. We didn't get a single note from the Mets or baseball or. I don't know if they've even seen it. No, I don't think they've seen it at all. They kept their promise. That's for sure. They didn't uh, didn't interfere with any of the great, you know, sex, drugs, baseball. The baseball is just part of the fact that this team, this collection of lunatics won a pennant and then a World Series would be story enough. But the behind the scenes stuff and we can get into it, but the plane rides and the clubbing and everything else and them fighting everybody. They had four fights that year with other teams and not even counting with each other. And that continues to this day. So yeah. uh, it's just terrific. Start to I, it's like crack to me. I'm a, I'm a terrible host. Cause I didn't even mention Jimmy and Sal are both executive producers on the doc. That's why they are here. So let me mention that. And it, you know, it's funny because I'm a New Yorker. I, I remember the 86 Mets and there were still so many things I learned or didn't remember. And and it was great. Like you mentioned, Sal, you know, for one team to get in four brawls in a season is pretty, pretty wild. So I thought that was great. And really some of the players that really obviously listen, you know, here in New York, because he does the Mets games here on SNY, that Keith Hernandez is a character, great storyteller. But, you know, you talk about the partying and all that, but that whole narrative with him and his daddy issues 
oh. if you will. I yeah, thought it was yeah. really that's something that's going to be new to people. And I thought Keith was great. Were you guys when he opened up about the relationship with his dad? Were you guys surprised by that, or did you know that going into the doc? I always thought Keith was a great player, and I enjoy uh, his broadcast work. But I have so much more respect for him now after watching him talk about his father, who was uh, very hard on him and on, on his brother, and well into his. I mean, one of the most interesting things that he said was the worst thing that he ever did was get his dad a satellite dish, and yes. this was not said in a flip way. Uh, this is he, he meant it. it. He'd get you know he'd go three for four, and he'd get a call from his dad about that uh, fourth at bat. <laughs> he didn't get a hit, and and his dad was very very tough on him. Mm-hmm. And and father issues play a, a major role through the whole documentary, not just w- with Keith. I mean that is that does seem to be the the through line when it comes to the '86 Mets team. Yeah. yeah, and I had um, I had him on my podcast mm-hmm. after he finished his second book, and there's a lot of those stories about his father and how close they were. But it was a it was a weird re- love hate relationship. His brother Gary, also who Keith says was a better uh, of the two, uh, actually when they were growing up as a baseball player, and then the father, yeah, it, it ends up being a sad thing. Like he didn't, you know, Keith. One of the things when he retired, he thought about like just taking walks with his father. Um, you know, a- after it was all over and his father like died only a few months after his retirement. And he actually, you know, it, it may or may not have been a coincidence after you look it through. But, yeah, it- it's unbelievable with Hernandez and and all the like you would think, Jimmy, that he's the leader. Right. Of the, the But I-, I feel like every 20 minutes it changes for me. But ultimately, I think Keith Hernandez was the leader of this team. I do. Sure. There's yeah. a key part in the doc, too, where he talks about getting that. 86 team early in the season to all go out together as a bonding experience. I, I what I also loved about Keith and I, a lot of players went through it too, but Keith, the way he did it, um, I don't want to use the word mocking because it has such a negative connotation, but the way they talked about Gary Carter, I thought was pretty great because he, the team, as you said, were mainly partiers hardcore guys and I guess Gary Carter wasn't like that and got on some people's nerves and rubbed some people the wrong way but it was great the way they talk you know some when usually when someone passes to you it's like you know yeah. you never say a negative word right and again they, it, 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 I don't they, know if they took some shots they, they did. did they did I think that overall I think there's uh certainly an appreciation for Gary Carter as a player and as a person but yeah usually you're right you get some kind of um minor sainthood when you die especially when you die young and uh they were very honest uh, they did not they didn't color anything as far no. as i know and um and it was interesting to to hear gary's wife's point of view throughout the documentary because um uh it, it seemed like they were really in love i mean the the way she speaks about him is is uh is something you want to hear from anyone you're in a relationship but but she i think represented his point of view very well and was aware of his I mean he was a guy who was concerned with statistics and um, he didn't want to be the guy who made the last out and um, he wanted to be the star he loved the camera he loved all of those things that go along with being in New York but ultimately he seemed like a pretty good guy to me and um, and um, and I don't think uh, a square guy like that uh, fit in with that that team so well right 
not only did it not fit in, but he was really, when you listen to these guys, he was like the only one in the front of the plane. So he literally didn't fit. They, they had problems with the weight, I think, because he was the square who would sit up front with the coaches and a, a few of the players resented that. But I mean, all in all, they all, uh, they loved him and they came around they, you know, they show his wake and they were all represented and, uh, and it was a great moment and they appreciate what the kid, uh, was to the team that was a great another great little part of the doc when they explain who sat where in the, on the plane i thought that right. was that you know as a fan that's the kind of inside stuff you want and then the the last guy i want to mention who i thought came off really well was davy johnson i love yeah. because you know now we live in this age obviously with twitter and, and the internet and 24-hour news where if you make a comment where he i think you know the beginning of the season he said we're going to dominate and that became like a big deal in 86. I mean, you make that comment now, forget it. You you know, the GM's going to apologize, you know, and there's a whole. And he basically said, yeah, I said it. I meant it. And we're going to dominate. I like yeah. the fact that he stood by that comment, I thought was excellent. Yeah. He's like, what's the difference between me saying we're going to do well or we're going to dominate? He still, even 35 years later, couldn't yeah. rationalize. Like, well, I don't know why this is a big deal. He seems like the kind of boss you just want to have, you know. He was a guy who had, you know, he, this is a team of a lot of nonsense going on, and he had to <laughs> yeah. make sure everybody was on the field. Yeah. And then there's one scene where the team, they destroy the team plane. They just basically just tear it apart from the inside. Yeah. And the management of the team, they were very upset, and they were insisting that everybody was going to pay. And they wanted David to deliver that message for them. And he delivered quite the opposite of that message to the team. Yeah. And he, it was like, it's like a movie, you know, it's crazy. Like this kind of stuff doesn't happen. It's like, Hey, here's the bill for the, the plane and you're all expected to pay for it. And he rips it up in front of them. Yeah. And uh, I, I especially like that because they're everyone's account matched up most of the time, except for that one story about the damage that he did to the plane. They went from player <laughs> to players like right. we did ten thousand dollars with that. We did that cost twenty five thousand dollars. The team was on the hook for fifty thousand dollars. The plane had no door after we were done with it. Like, what? How could it have no door? That's Who took the door. That's usually what happens with a good story like that. It ends up right. spiral spiraling. Right. Yeah. Um, what I also, you know, I'm a I'm a big big nostalgia guy. Like I still wish we were in the '80s. I think, you know, if anything, this documentary confirms the '80s is the greatest decade of all time. I'm with you on that. Thank you. And for I sure. and so for me, it was such a trip to see things like, you know, Marv Albert was was on the field doing the interviews, and then Bob Costas. They, <laughs> you know, we've heard so much about. I mean, at least I have maybe because, again, I'm in New York and you hear so much about the 86 Mets. We've heard so much about how NBC was set up in the Boston locker room for the celebration. And another thing, you know, I had for, I had forgotten. Everyone knows the Mookie Wilson played ball gets through Buckner. I'd forgotten that the Red Sox got the first two outs. It was two outs, nobody on. Yeah. Which makes that comeback even more ridiculous when you think about it. But then you see Costas, who looked like he was about twelve years old, tops. <laughs> you know, having to switch the locker room. So like that whole nostalgia thing. You know, Vince Scully obviously calling those games. You know, as a media nerd, sports media nerd, it was it was a trip. So I really enjoyed all that. There's you, some you footage. They got yeah. hold of some footage from the local news crews in New York that we've never seen before. There's a shot of. Um, of Mookie, uh, you know, the ball goes by, and then Mookie runs yes. into the locker room, and it's almost like a Goodfellas caliber 
shot. Um, it it just he, it follows him the whole way into the locker room without an edit, and it's just incredible camera work. It is, and just to see that happening and i've never seen anything like that before it is there's some stuff even just like when they're practicing and mookie gets hit in the face uh by the ball he's the ball yeah he's wearing sunglasses and the sunglasses shatter and get in his eyes and you see how immediately concerned gary carter was and this this kind of stuff is just like it's incredible that we have it on on tape it really is incredible some of the stuff that we got I, I'll tell, I, I want you to reply to that too, but I just, since you mentioned that some of the local footage, I cracked up too at the parade. They got local footage. I don't know if it was a local like ABC or NBC anchor, but he's in the crowd and he looks scared shitless. And he's like, we're going to need some help here. This is not going to, this is overcrowded. You know, and like you think about it today, like that can't happen with, you know, forget COVID, but just security issues and stuff like that. So you want to, the yeah, nostalgia no, angle gonna, of it. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the few notes we had was we need more Warner Wolf, but yeah, Jimmy like really leaned in that we need the local feel throughout, you know, yeah. and I think that's pretty well uh, represented. But as far as that Mookie shot goes, I think that's going to be the star of this documentary. I think it'll be top three things people talk about. It is like they're going through the Copacabana, through the dugout, yeah. through the tunnel, and then eventually into the clubhouse where you see some of the players who, like you said, with two outs, nobody on in the ninth, a few of the players gave up and like, they feel like they're like, yeah, I, I I really regret that decision. But once we were in there, Keith Hernandez in particular was like, when the hits kept coming, like nobody move. Right. This seat right. has hits, and we're all superstitious at this point. Don't go back into the dugout, and it all worked out. But you catch a little of that in that Mookie shot Jimmy was talking about. I'm not sure you could be a more likable person than Mookie Wilson, too. I mean, I, I agree with you. Boy, is he likable. Yeah, I seriously. Still, I still can't believe he didn't think Letterman saying Mookie was funny. Like, he's so <laughs> likable. He seems like he has such a, a great sense of humor that he would get it. But yeah. um, apparently he didn't like that when Dave would – would always make fun of his name, not even make fun of his name, just say his name a lot. <laughs> like Uma Oprah, here we go again. You know, it, it, it's the Mookie Wilson version of that, basically. Um, tell me where each of you were when the ball went through Buckner's legs. Were you at your home? Were you at a friend's house? Where were you at, at the, on that night? Oh, I was living in Las Vegas and I was watching on television. So. I was on television too. I had, uh, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. I gave up on them and I have, uh, my father's a lunatic, a Met fan as I was and even louder and scarier. And, uh, I think we were all happy that. Okay. That wait, you need through. to, you need to expand on gave up on like, did you shut the game off? No, no, but uh. I just, uh, I, you know, you know, Jimmy and I went to, um, the Mets Yankees and that was as, as bad a loss as I'll, I'll ever experience. And we went to the three games at Shea and like, I, I was already, you know, for the Red Sox, I was ready to walk away from, I couldn't see the last out. Uh, and the same happened at, at, at Shea stadium when they played the Yankees and uh, Bernie Williams circles underneath Mike Piazza's long fly ball to center. Yeah. It looked like it had a chance to get out and I nah. tore off and I went to the train and I had to wait like 15 minutes for everyone to get to the train, but I couldn't see it with my eyes. And this was going to be the same thing as a 15 year old. Were you there in your seat when Jeter let off the game with the home run at Chase yeah, Stadium? In the world? That, yeah, that was a great, great moment. Great moment. No, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got a hernia during one of those games and, um, and stuck it out, um, wound up peeing all over himself and uh, <laughs> right. then went directly to the hospital after the game. Yeah. Did this, did this, give you sort of like an itch to do another maybe oh let me ask you this if you had to do another sports doc what's a topic you would want to dive into 
you could each answer. I was one. I was going to do a documentary about the 1990 running Rebels basketball team. You know, growing up in Vegas, that team meant a lot to me. And and I swear I thought of this. And about three days later, I got a phone call from somebody asking from HBO asking me to be in the documentary. And they did it so well that I don't think. Um, I don't think it needs to be redone, but uh, yeah. mm-hmm. that was the that was the other one for me was the big one. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Sal? I would like to do something on the Civil War. I've not seen anything about it. Um, <laughs> it seems to be like a forgotten battle. Oh, man, there's so many. I mean, I guess the 92-93 Cowboys, that's my second favorite team. And, you know, obviously... Um, there seems to be a theme here, Sal, yeah, with you right. and ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> exactly. I have... Uh, um. I have uh, Lenny Dykstra and Michael Irvin on speed dial, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's uh, a collection of characters um, coming out of nowhere and defying the odds and whatever. It's all there. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's uh, over two nights, September 14th, September 15th, once upon a time in Queens on the 86 Mets. Very enjoyable. Especially if you grew up in the eighties, you'll love it. Whether you care about the Mets or not. Isn't it fun a, even fun just trip. watching the way, the way they approached hitting back then. I mean, it, it was so different. It, it's so different. Oh, yeah. and all There's so much the more finesse to it. And now it's like, it's, it's almost all power now, but this is the guys were like, it was almost like wiffle ball in a lot of ways, the way they'd hit. And the stadiums are not plastered in ads. There's playoff games during the day. Like everything about it just takes you back to this, you know, and then, you know, I hate, you know, we could transition sort of into, into sort of what you do, Jimmy, with the, with this show at night, you know, I hate that I watch things sometimes and I'm so focused on that would never happen today. That can't yeah. happen today. He'd be in mm. trouble for that. Oh, this is, you know, and, and it's not even just cancer culture stuff or, or things, you know, like I said, even just the crowds, like you're never going to be in that kind of a crowd again, basically. It, so I hate that I watch things with that mentality now, but I, it's also, reinforces like i said the 80s are the greatest era it goes both ways though because if you think about it you think about how much derision and shame was heaped on keith hernandez for being addicted to cocaine and that wouldn't happen now i mean i think now we have more of an understanding of you know of that monster and how it grabs hold of people and um and that i thought was it was like the flip side of that to me you know that that yeah wouldn't it wouldn't be like that now like it wouldn't it would be frowned upon to to mock a guy for something like that i mean right, nowadays right. you'll hear about someone decapitating a, a cat like three four times a week <laughs> you know what Sal? it's funny yeah. you mention that because I, I think one of the stars of the documentary is going to be keith hernandez's cat uh, he's got his oh, cat right. um, <laughs> yeah. with him the whole time and i didn't even think about this until the other night i was just thinking about the documentary and thinking oh wait He's got the cat and Kevin Mitchell is talking yeah. about this rumor that he decapitated a cat and th- there's a cat like I mean even put two and two together it's just one of those like weird magic things that happens. There yeah. were, I mean Freud would have a field day with Keith petting the cat talking about his father, you know, being right. hard on him. I mean there was there was a lot going on there with Keith. Yeah, Keith is great. Sure. I had Keith on this on my podcast last summer and he did it from like his backyard in Sag Harbor. And it was like the most melt. Like it was hard to do an interview that way because even I was like, you know, he's sitting there outside like the sun is shining. But it was like the like it was perfect. Keith Hernandez. Very unique guy. Very unique. Yeah. Guy. Sure. Keith Hernandez. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton 
is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's really good? Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. A couple of non-documentary things before we wrap it up. Jimmy, what is going on with this bowl game? Mm. I have a bowl game named after me. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just a dumb idea. Wouldn't it be fun if I had a bowl game named after me? And um, Did you have to pay for that? No, no, I didn't pay. It's funny, people think I paid for this. I did not pay for it. It was free. And um, (laughs) it is funny, though, some people are mad, like, oh, well, that's not right. It shouldn't be, well, there's fucking Tostitos and GoDaddy and... right. You know, the gynolotrimin yeah. yeast bowl, and people are, are upset that I've somehow tampered with the sanctity of a highly sponsored college football game. But it's going to be fun. I, yeah. I'm trying to take over everything. I really want to be in charge of the whole game, and I'm still not quite sure how much they're going to let me do, but I do have this plan where I want to fire. I want to build the world's <laughs> most powerful T-shirt cannon, and I want to fire a T-shirt from the end zone to the highest point in the bleachers at um, SoFi Stadium, so that's what um that's what I'm very busy with right now. <laughs> so so just having it be named the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl is not enough for you. You you're gonna it's have hands on, hands on approach. If it's gonna be approach. the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, there's got to be some Jimmy Kimmel in it. I mean, I'm yeah. working on even working on the sandwiches well, that will be sold sold in the stadium. 
Will Sal have a role in the in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? A hundred, of course, it wouldn't be the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl without Sal. I'm sure I'll get it canceled somehow. Yeah. I, 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 they're gonna, <laughs> the vet or I don't know what's going. It's you really a bad. I, yeah. It's a bad idea to name anything after a person because you never know what I'm going <laughs> right. to do. Right. You know? <laughs> By the way, a good practical joke would be you don't show up, you send your father in your place who's also named Jimmy Kimmel. I'm like, yeah, this is, uh, this is what we're doing. <laughs> he calls the shots. That would be good. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I appreciate you doing this because you just taped a show and you just came back this week for another season. Got, got things off to a bang. I Googled you and saw you all over the place. Well, let me ask oh, you, yeah. let me start with this. I don't want to get into what you said because it's whatever. I'm just curious when you say something and it causes the shit storm are, do you now stay? Cause you've done this for so long. And I think most smart people realize like, don't pay attention to it. But is it a situation where you hear that there's a shit storm going on from PR people or, you know, cause even if you don't want, you want to avoid it, relatives or friends will be texting you and be like, Oh, you're on this. They're saying that what, what happens when that, what happens to Jimmy Kimmel when something like that explodes? It used to be fun to be trending, and um, it's not <laughs> anymore. I got, I think I got a call. I think I got a text from my publicist, uh, it was my also my old pal, um, that said simply, "Welcome back." <laughs> I knew something was wrong, right? <laughs> and then I go on, right? But I know what it is. It's like yeah. it's fueled by the same, uh, you know, same lunatics every single time, and it's the right. same thing every single time. And you can't make a joke anymore without everything being taken out of context. And you know, you get Ted Cruz, that slime ball, tweeting about <laughs> it, and he just desperately wants me to respond to him, but I won't because he's pathetic, and I know he all he wants. There's nothing more than that he would want than to be invited to the Oscars or something like that and to be part of this group. And, um, I mean, he's not part of any group. I mean, really, he's not even, even his own party doesn't invite him to parties. Well, he tried to make friends in Cancun and nobody let him do it. He had to come back from that even. <laughs> yeah. That was a great moment when he decided to. Fl- yeah. Fl- so it doesn't, you know, yeah. it's, I don't love it, but I also understand that it's like, it's funny because it's like, you think, Oh, there's some big thing going on. And then you realize like your mom doesn't even know about it. It's like, well, right. if my mother doesn't know about this. It's not a big deal. Well, that's the thing. When you're in this world where we're consumed 24-7 with all this stuff, and then you go into the real world that's not on a computer or a phone all day, and you mention something, they're like, what? I don't know anything about that. And you're like, how could you not? But there is a real world outside of Twitter that it's good to get into every now and then. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, without Trump in office, what is different for you doing the show now? Is Because I would... Listen, the world is so screwed up right now. I'm sure it's not that difficult to find content every day, but he was obviously a daily machine of content. Has anything changed in terms of doing the show with him? Not. Um, yeah. It, yeah. The well, country? I mean, there's more variety, obviously. It's like, you know, people do ask, like, how well, what's can you do the show without Trump? Is you know, we, we did it for like 14 years without Donald Trump. But the. The big difference is, is that there's like a, I think it's not just the difference in the show, but this is the difference in the country. There's more of a sense of calm. Like in our office, like we had CNN on today and um, Joe Biden decided he was going to break in and, and speak to the country. 
And in old days, we would, this would be like, oh no, we have to rewrite the whole monologue. This is, you know, what's he going to say? What's going to happen? We throw everything in the garbage and start over again. And the show starts in 40 minutes. So, um, not, that's not something I miss at all. Just the tumultuousness. I I mean, it is, it, that made it very, very difficult to do a, a show every day. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I, the other thing I'm curious about in terms of doing the show, I, it's amazing to me that it's been 18, you're close to 19 years already doing this, which is just on ABC. Yeah, it'll be 19 in January. January, yeah. that's It's wild. And obviously, the media landscape has changed so much. And I've heard James Corden talk about this with Howard, actually, a couple of times when he's been on, which I find fascinating about how he says he does not do that show for the CBS twelve thirty audience, he's like, no one's watching me. This show is strictly for YouTube, social media clips. What's your mentality with that in this age of streaming services taking over? I don't have that mentality. I'm I'm doing the show on on ABC. ABC pays me. I I want the show to be strong from the beginning till the end. Um, I still kind of I think it's kind of like um, I still prefer an album. You know, it's like these artists now they release singles and they'll give you a single here and there and it never gets necessarily put together. I like an album. I like that's the it's kind of old school, I guess, but that's the way I approach it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not I'm not doing things for piecemeal consumption. And, you know, if I was doing a YouTube show or something, I would think about it differently. But I, you know, I'm on ABC. I they're my employer and I feel like I have to do uh, an hour long show every night. Last, last question on the show is who have not, who have you not had on that you want to have on? Who are some Jimmy Kimmel dream guests? I've had, you know, I've had left? most everyone. And speaking yeah. of the eighties, you know, uh, no. I grew up um, enjoying the music of and masturbating to Madonna. <laughs> um, so I would like to have Madonna on the show, <laughs> but I think if I had to pick one person, um, that I'd like to have on the show. It's Banksy, the artist, mm. because nobody knows who he looks like. And yeah. um, I'm just so curious about him and I, I love his work. And I think he's very clever and seems committed to um, uh, bringing light to a lot of um, unpleasant things and unjust things. And I would love to sit down with that guy or, or whatever, who knows yeah, yeah, what see, Banksy may be. Yeah. You know, I have it on good authority and take it for a well that Banksy is Mookie Wilson. So this could really uh, come full circle. This could Wouldn't work that out. be something? Yeah. Mooksy. <laughs> He'd be the nicest interview you've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever do you ever get frustrated? I don't know if frustrated is the right word, but when someone is on like the media tour promoting a movie or, or an album, as we still say, those of us who love the 80s, and they're on every show for a week and you get them, are you like... I really don't want to interview this person. Or are you like, well, I can do something different. Let me get a stab at this person. Cause I know yeah, I always, I hate like it that. when someone, yeah. Okay. I, I, I just, you know what? I think that if you are, um, if that's the way you do interviews, then you have nothing special going on anyway. If it's all about what that guest is going to say on your show, I, I think you, it's my responsibility to come up with a different angle. And it's also my responsibility to make the interview interesting for the guest and ask questions that are, that are questions they haven't been asked a million times before. I so, hope I've done that. 
I get I nervous that. that I don't. I'm going to be honest with you, Jimmy. I've been You're asked breaking. the um, uh, who haven't you had on the show one a lot. I'm, yeah, so cut I know. that one I, out of your okay. repertoire. And, to, yeah. Well, you know why I think it's a good question for you because you have been on for 19 years. It Honestly, is a good I, question. It's, it's not, not a, a question. bad question. It's, it's a, a good question, question for the listeners. It's just one yeah. of those questions you get asked a lot. Yeah. All right, I'll that ask this question. The other two are: you, Who is your yeah. least favorite guest, and who is your oh, favorite yeah. guest? Yeah, like you're going to answer that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, here's a. I'll throw a totally different question out there because I know okay. we got to wrap, but I figure this could be good for both of you, especially Sal. Give me your all-time worst gambling loss. <laughs> I mean, that's, I guess, that's I guess that was a good. One I, bounced, I bounced back from who's your dream guest. <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right. I mean, there's so many levels. I mean, I've had a lot of bad beats. I bet. Um, I bet La La Land over Moonlight. It, I, I should have been happy enough writing for my cousin Jimmy, who was nice enough to let me be on the writing staff uh, for the Academy Awards. But no, I had to then go bet on the Academy Awards and I had a great parlay going and I had La La Land over Moonlight. And as you know, it was announced that La La Land was the winner and everyone's high-fiving backstage basically because <laughs> the show was over and it was a relief and everyone's uh, right to get drunk. And then I see producers with <laughs> ponytails, men running around in the back. And I'm like, Oh no, something's wrong here. And as you know, they changed the result. Like, I don't know if you know betting, but you could live bet on oh, events. I, oh, you, yeah. you know how it is. I know you do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you couldn't live bet that that little category after they announced La La Land was the winner, right? It would be right. off the charts, and then they changed. So I lost the parlay. I ended up being upset for the next hour and a half as everyone figured out uh, what they were going to do. For that me. was I forgot. I forgot that was the Oscars. Jimmy, Ho that was was that Warren Beatty? Yeah, oh, yeah. he was. Yeah, yeah, Sal yeah, was yeah. more upset than the producers of La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. For me, my worst, my um, most difficult gambling moment. Was, you know, I grew up in Vegas, so um, I remember the first time my, my friend Elliot, we had this buddy named Martin Fisher, and he looked older than, than us, even though he was like 16. And Marty had been playing uh, blackjack. He'd been playing blackjack, and he'd been winning money. And it was explained to me that he basically figured out how to win money at blackjack. <laughs> and so I was making, I was working at this clothing store, Miller's Alpos. I was making $3.15 an hour and um, then minus taxes, you know? And so um, we decided we're each going to give Marty a hundred dollars and he was going to take it to the blackjack table. And he was, uh, we didn't know how much we were going to win, but we were going to win a lot. And so we each gave him a hundred dollars and uh, we stood like kind of off to the side and we watched him. We couldn't really see what was going on. He went and sat down for like four minutes and then he got back up and he came back to us. We're like, what's, what's up? What's, and he's like, oh um, yeah, that's, uh, I lost. We're like, what? Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I lost. Like, you, would you lose? Like, you lost what? The month, like all the money. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I lost all the money. And I remember distinctly remember all I had was a quarter and one quarter left. And I went into the arcade and played a game of Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> did you cut that friend off or did you stay friends with him? No, no, we stay. We're uh -huh. still friends to this day. But okay. um, but can it was I have a him. Can I have him on my podcast? <laughs> you won't put him on your show. <laughs> didn't you infiltrate his fantasy football league and just basically take it over as your own? Elliot? Oh, Elliot's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was talking yeah. about Marty. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I don't talk right. to Marty. No, but it's yeah. not because of that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that really 
like and i do remember like each time i got my paycheck at the end of the week i was like okay five more of these and i'll yeah. be even <laughs> it sucks yeah, three dollars yeah 315 an hour it's good do you jimmy do you play fantasy football obviously i do Sal, not yeah i, I gave it up five years ago kind of time. The greatest thing i've ever done sal did you see i'll leave it since we talked about the game did you see this today i i someone tweeted it i retweeted um you can bet there is a website where you can bet on which NFL player will be the first one to miss a game this season because of COVID. Is that right? Like I didn't see Lamar that. Lamar Jackson was, plus 450, yeah. Cole Beasley plus 500, Kirk <laughs> Cousins plus. So, I mean, when you want to talk about degenerates, if you want to make a wager on that, it's available. It's smart. I love plus it. Plus 500 I, to be the first player of all those players? And that doesn't seem, I mean, that seems well, you, uh, If you want to take like a, a chance bet. on... Christian McCaffrey plus seven fifty. Josh Allen list, plus six seventy five. Is, is it from a pool of players or is it from any player? They probably listed I, like fifteen and said I they see. listed. It looks like about a dozen. Yeah, twelve right, to right. fifteen here on the list. Yeah. But when I saw that today, I I just it was like this is the world we live in now. It's it's pretty. I mean, well, uh, did you ever think we'd get to this point with gambling? Where I mean, it's this is it now. It's at, the cat's out of the bag. The genie's out of the bottle. Whatever ever ridiculous lame cliche you want, it's here now. I mean, the NFL has embraced it. I never no, thought we'd see greatest. it, to be honest. I it mean, is. I love it. It's, it's great for me. And, you know, I've been doing it for, I mean, we, we liken it to the marijuana laws, right? Yeah. And just forever, the same four or five people were punchlines, Snoop Dogg and, you know, Sarah Silverman and Woody Harrelson and Willie Nelson and everyone. I mean, Jimmy could attest, like now people come on a show and talk about vaping because it's legal and you just never had that before. And it's kind of the same thing with you're seeing ex-football players talk about gambling. It's like, wow, this really did exactly what we thought would happen. Uh, happen. Yeah. So God bless. Jimmy, you were ahead of the board. curve because you did the picks on the Fox NFL pregame show like a hundred uh, years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. The um, yeah, they 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 were weird about it back then, too. You know, like we couldn't mention the point spread. Right. Um, so and also Sal really made the picks. Uh, he was the the mastermind behind the picks. And I don't think they ever expected me to actually do well. They just wanted it to be funny. That would turn out to be a little bit of a bonus. So who, we, who was the mastermind, though, in pissing off Terry and Howie and making fun of well, them? Well, that, that was both Jimmy. of us. Yeah, okay. but, <laughs> yeah, they were, they were, it's funny, I was telling some guys, just, I was going through stories the other day with some guys I just met, and it was like late at night, and I was telling story after story, and I was thinking like, yeah, you know, it's funny because you're like, oh, what's with these guys that they don't like me? I mean, don't they have a sense of humor? And as I told story after story, I was like, of course they didn't like me. This doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense for them to like yeah. me. I was an asshole. <laughs> it was fun, though. It was, I mean, that was, you know, at that time, that was a... Um you know it was right. fun. It was real. Yeah. It was like, yeah. like I think they it was original. It was original. Tried That's to continue that tradition of yeah. like mocking each other and stuff, but they really were mad at me. I mean, like they were angry. Um, the well, they I, put know, it up to a vote to have you fired, right? Remember, we had a vote. Uh, was it after week two or what it was, week was it? It was yeah. after week two. That's right. Um, they had been editing. They were editing my bits at Fox, and they were doing a very bad job with it. They were editing them like they edit sports bits which doesn't work for comedy and i really wanted control of of these bits and so and the guys hated me and so this guy scott ackerson he hired me and you know he was standing by me and and they would have these meetings they're like you have to get rid of this guy why are you giving our time to this asshole he's making fun of us he's not funny he sucks get rid of the guy and so scott came up with 
one of the worst plans ever, which was, well, maybe we'll have a vote. We'll have a call-in vote. And then the viewers can call in and decide if he should be fired or not. And he call, Scott calls me and he pitches me this idea. And I was like, well, let me think about it. And um, I called my agent, James Baby Doll Dixon, and he was in. He's like, no fucking way. Tell them to go fuck them. I'm going to call him right now. I said, you know what? I said, baby, I think I want to do this, but I'm going to I'm going to call Scott. So I called Scott and I said, I will do it under one condition. You have to let me do anything I want this week. I'm not going to curse. I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to go wild, but I have to edit the bit. And I get to do what I want to do. And he said, uh, all right, let me check. And he, he checked and he's like, okay, all right, it's a deal. So I did this bit with a, um, a little person dressed as Doug Flutie. We called him Doug Cutie. And, um, and it was funny. And it was even so funny that like they caught the guys laughing when they came back into st- <laughs> the studio. And, um, and then the guys had to go on the air and say, oh, well, we think Jimmy Kimmel should be um, off the show and go ahead and vote. If you want to vote, no, call this number. And they had a real phone line set up. And I think I got like almost 90 percent uh, keep him. And um, and then they were stuck with me. <laughs> you know, so, so was this, this was this your first season on the show? Yeah, this is my first- actually week three of being on the show. I, I know. I know I'm keeping you way over the top, but you got to just power ring for me like who at that time hated you the like terry had to be one terry hated me the most at that time oh, um in the right. long run how he hated me the most um <laughs> terry came to um like me how he never really liked me while i was there but his sons liked me and that bothered him but i mean now we're fine you know we, i've talked yeah. to him and you know it's it all seems very silly now um, Chris Collinsworth uh, was on the show and JB and I had really good relationships with both of those guys. And in fact, a couple of times they acted as double agents. In fact, once Chris was in one of my bits and we we're making fun of like Terry and Howard or something, and they were so mad at him. <laughs> they were really pissed off at him for being part of it. But oh, Terry great. was really um, angry the first like half of the first season and didn't understand why I was on the show. But then the feedback he kept getting from fans was so positive about this like this interaction we had that he realized like okay oh this is okay i guess this is kind of funny it's kind of like wrestling and it's kind of good and i do remember distinctly our christmas party after the second season at the end of the second season it was, it was during the playoffs and we we're on the road somewhere i don't know remember where we were so like philly or something like yeah, that it was Philadelphia. Yeah. and we had a big meal together and um terry had had a couple of glasses of white wine and he was a little tipsy and he stood up and he just said he made a very nice speech he said i you know i i just i want this guy i didn't like him i didn't understand why he was on the show at the beginning and i have to tell you i've uh, over the years i've really and i think he's very clever and i think i enjoy what he does and i think it's great for the show and i just want to raise a toast to you brian (laughs) 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 and uh you know i didn't correct him i felt like the sentiment was fine he didn't need to know what my name was it had only been we'd only been together for like 32 weeks at that that, that's terry that now you have a football game named after you you better learn your name and now i have my own college game and eventually Mm -hmm. i'll have an nfl team named after me you and terry are good now i assume you're all good uh, now. yes we are yeah. good we are yeah, fine okay. um terry cancels on me every single time he's booked on the show he has now canceled like 11 literally 11 true? times in a row is that true yes that is true why is terry bradshaw canceling because he has no understanding of how television works terry bradshaw is just this weird like 
uh, turnip they pulled out of the ground and that it turned out he was beautiful and everybody thought it was funny. <laughs> and I don't think there'll ever be another Terry Bradshaw again. I, I think he's part of like the end of a, a breed that includes like Dick Vitale and includes yeah. like Shaq and Charles Barkley, guys who mm. are just like naturally super funny and not so polished and they figured out what to do with them. And I don't think, I don't see any of that happening uh, with, with the younger group. Yeah. It's all about being polished now. That's for sure. Um, I, I really appreciate you guys giving me the time. Last question, Jimmy, all time worst guest. <laughs> <Omarosa>. <laughs> Once upon a time in Queens, September 14th and 15th on ESPN. And then it's on ESPN streaming service on the 86 Mets uh, with Jimmy and Sal as executive. Jimmy, producers. I enjoy your, your work. I read your stuff. You know, I, I reached out to you many years ago and I, I always look at your stuff and I, I always appreciate it. And I, I try not to DM you too much cause I would be annoying, but I, as I, I, I always, I, I said this to you like five times. You were so good hosting the Howard Stern birthday party. <laughs> it's still like the greatest night of entertainment I've ever experienced. And you that were so great as the evening, host. It? it was, it was, I think about the Jeffrey Ross, Joan Rivers roasting Howard and Robin all the time. Like now there would be a, such an uproar, but that whole thing. And then the music. Chris Letterman, Christie was there for God's sake. That's right. It is it amazing. Was, what a crazy was, night that was. Yeah. You though telling the crowd to shut the fuck up when they were talking <laughs> during Howard's interview with Letterman was I was like because I was riveted to every word and everyone's going I, it was, you did such a great job hosting that. I always have to tell you that anytime I <laughs> well, talk. Well, thank to you. you. I appreciate yeah. it. That was great. And Dave, Dave, you could tell Dave was like, what's going on here? Yeah, Dave, Dave looks back like, at me. He's like, what, what are you going to do about this? Like, what am I going to do about this? I didn't even, I, I'm, I'm trying to listen to this interview. Yeah, it was fun. Sal, I appreciate you coming on. Good luck with the wagers this season. And uh, Jimmy, continue so success much, with Jimmy. the show. And uh, everyone will check out the doc. Thanks a lot for coming on, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Care. Thanks. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to. Oh, uh, mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, mom. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. 
It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, joining me now for our weekly train of thought segment. Seems to be a big hit with the Apple reviews, which we will read shortly. Sal Licata from WFAN Radio in New York, SNY TV in New York, at Sal underscore Licata on Twitter, where he mixes it up with people, unfortunately. And he joins me for our weekly train of thoughts chat. At least I got Piazza to respond. Did you see I got Piazza to respond? I did not. I did not. It was almost worth it. But then last night during the uh, the Lindor and Stanton stuff, oh, my God. I didn't see see any of that. I saw there was a tweet that I was tagged on with you, and you responded to the guy. (laughs) And I texted you, and I said, Sal, you're responding to someone who has one follower. What are you doing? He was telling me that I asked you the bad questions or I asked you wrong questions. When When I was on your radio show on the fan. Yeah, but he has one follower. And it doesn't matter. You, you, the truth is, I was bothered because I think there might have been some truth to that. Where you and I just kind of we don't really plan any of this stuff. We just talk. And I happened to ask you about nine eleven, assuming that you had watched some stuff or would be into it, and you were just basically like, "Nah, I didn't see it." So the guy had a sensitive spot with me, but whatever. It was that's so. Wait, you were mixing it up with people during. The Mets-Yankees game. Oh, on my God. Yeah, because I was saying that Lindor, Stanton was right. Lindor doesn't deserve to be talking trash. He, number I one, ended, I, I, I know. I saw not, I ended up, I watched Bears-Rams, mm-hmm. lost my underbed fairly early, <laughs> went to bed. I know nothing. I woke up. I didn't know until about 11 o'clock that the, this morning that the benches cleared and there was this thing with the whistling and I saw none of it. And in the game went on until 1 a.m. I didn't sleep last yeah. night because I'm watching football all day and then watching that. But basically, Lindor accused the Yankees of cheating. So he was yeah. pimping around the bases, letting them know it. Stanton then ties the game with a homer. He lets Lindor know you shouldn't be talking trash. And I was like, well, he shouldn't be talking trash. The miserable season he's had. The Mets are lucky to be a 500. Oh, and then he hit three home runs. <laughs> And then he hits the other one, right? Then he hits the third one. So I was just, you, I had to mute the responses on one of the tweets. Well, I, that's why I never tweet during games, like, because that's, you just, that's smart. For trouble. Yeah. Um, Did we get me crushed just, in our bets, by the way? Because I don't remember oh, yeah. being well, any good. We'll get to all that. Let all me right. set the table here. Let me set the table. <clears throat> Normally, train of th- the SI Media podcast, we tape everything on Wednesdays, it comes out on Thursdays. We moved everything up. The pod's coming out on a Tuesday this week because we wanted to coincide with Jimmy Kimmel's documentary, which starts on Tuesday, which Sal will love as a Mets fan. So because we're taping this on Monday afternoon instead of Wednesday, neither one of us want to do picks like we did last week. So we're going to put our picks on Twitter. I'll put them in train of thoughts. And then next week on our regular schedule, we'll give you a pick segment. Perfect. Um, Too early. For the picks, you were one, one and one. You won with Dallas. You lost with the Falcons, and we, we got a push on the Jets because when we taped the pod, the line was plus five. 
I went oh, 0 2 and okay. I went 0 2 and 1. I lost the Patriots and I lost the under in the Jaguars Texans game. Didn't realize Tyrod Taylor was going to light it up and I got the push with the Jets. <laughs> so, we didn't do great with the picks. I did do a little research on on one thing though. I said when we did our team totals last week, I said the one I liked by far and away the most was the Steelers over and they got that nice upset win in Buffalo. So, that great was a good, start. That, Road win against one of the best. That, that's a big one, yeah. I noticed, though, that you gave six over-unders and you lost every single one of them yesterday. Did I really? You had the... you had. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Under, because uh, I'm thinking of cover. You got one. The So you had over with the Bucks. So they won. No, they, I didn't I, take I, over Bucks. Over 12. Oh, no, you did not. Okay, that's me. What am I talking about? Oh, okay, that was yeah. me. All right, good one for me. All right, here. these were yours. Over Giants, seven. Bad. Colts over nine. Yeah, bad, obviously, losing at home. Patriots over nine and a half. Bad, losing at home. Packers over 10. Oh, my God, brutal. I still think they'll get that, but that was a brutal performance. Bucks under 12. <laughs> but you had the Cardinals. And, then you, had, and you had Arizona under, under eight and a half. Oh, God. So an 0 and 6 day for Sal on the team totals. Thank goodness it's a long season. But yeah, so week make one sure was not pretty. So between the team totals and then our picks, if you're listening to this, make sure you find them on Twitter and Train of Thoughts later in the week. You'll want to bet against us and win some money. We did warn people, this when you know, yes. especially when we're both on the same page with the Jets or whatever else it was, go go the opposite. My and goodness. I said, too, I hate betting week one. I hate betting week one. I like to get a little feel. And we did do it earlier in the week, and things did change. You know, I was talking to one of my buddies who actually listens to your podcast, Sean Gelman, he's a producer at SNY. He's a big Eagles guy. He goes, I heard your pick. And I kind of agree, other than the Eagles have good interior line play, both offensive line and defensive line. And when he said that, I was like, uh-oh, that could be a problem. And it turned out that that, I mean, that might have been the worst game on the board. With the Jalen Hurts played tremendously. Yeah. Tell Sean thank you for listening and to, and to leave a review. I'll read it. <laughs> All right, let me, we, there are only three new reviews came in this week. So I'm going to read those quickly and then we'll get to some train of thoughts topics. But let me, let me read you the three that came in. First one comes from an individual who decided to leave the name Larry Pig as his name. Maybe okay. it's a Larry David Pig Parker thing. I'm not sure. But love the pod, especially Jim Miller and Sal Licata and ESPN Dysfunction Talk. More Mad Dog, less WWE nonsense. More movie talk, <laughs> less Yankees. Go Mets. Keep it up. So oh, there's okay. a lot there. Let's see. Uh more mad dog. Okay, we, we get dog on. But less WWE nonsense. Okay, more that seems movie to be a talk. popular theme. The, the people who leave reviews are not WWE fans. They're not going to be happy when I have Daniel Bryan on next week. Um, we got a pod here from Trey Stofield. A, a pod, a review from Trey Stofield. He says, "I enjoy the podcast, and it's been pleasantly surprising to see the types of." Guests that Jimmy has on the show since I've been listening since Off the Board, his old podcast, where most guests were people I had never heard of. Would love to see some more hockey content, though. Trey, don't, don't hold, hold your breath, breath for that one. Don't hold your breath, Trey. Don't hold your breath. I love you. Thanks for leaving the review. Don't hold yeah. your breath. Uh, and then we've got MNR, MN Restrained Jubilation. I don't know what that means, but he has a review here great podcast listen every week love the interviews and train of thoughts see if you can get mike francesa on that would be interesting sal is an old producer of mike francesa so maybe sal would join me if uh mike ever and he says 
Uh, this must be a sign. Also, I'm driving Jimmy's 89 white LeBaron convertible. I didn't have that. And I'm never going to the mall again with Sal. We couldn't find his blue Honda in the parking garage while walking around with an air conditioner. And then his car wouldn't start. That's a Seinfeld episode. One of the more underrated Seinfeld episodes in the history of the show, in my opinion, in the, the parking garage. I was going to say it was Seinfeld. The strange jubilation was remember when they told George that Susan died and the doctor, <sighs> how would you describe his reaction? He was strange yes. or something like that. Okay. Slight jubilation okay. or something like that. So <laughs> the air conditioner is such a great the air conditioner. The parking yeah. garage is such a great episode. I love that episode. Agreed. Um all right. So send reviews, five stars, and I'll read them. I will read all the five star reviews. Make them funny, make them amusing, send them in. All right. Train of thoughts topic number one. Do you have any first week? observations anything you saw on tv during the nfl even college on saturday anything that stood out from a pregame show something you like didn't like anything from the yeah. television standpoint. i'm not going to pick on individual guys i'm going to give you two things that bothered me number one i noticed last night now maybe it's just me trying to pay extra attention to it because i was doing radio last night you know at 2 a.m so i wanted to make sure i got everything football night in america while it can be a great show starts way too early you cannot start the show at seven o'clock and recap today's games when there's still the end of the four o'clock games. Just push it back a half hour. I could see if there's a crossover to a certain extent. And I understand why they started early, but from a viewer's standpoint, it would be a perfect segue from one, one o'clock games, four o'clock games, football night in America, recap the day, get me set for Sunday night. That to me was one big thing. And then the other thing. But wait, I want to ask you about this. Yeah. So are you saying that if it started at 730, with the highlights from the day, you'd watch that. I think it's a cleaner in because if I pick it up, usually I'll go after the four o'clock games and that chaos is done. I go to football night in America and see what's going on, but it kind of is in the middle of the show. So I don't, I don't get a full recap. They rehash it a little bit, but they kind of go over it. It's just a waste of a half hour. Nobody in the world is watching a football pregame show when there are football games going on. Why? I, I why mean, would you I agree with you. I'm just amazed. You care. Like, I I never watch that show because I'm using that. Now, listen, it depends how crazy the 425 games get. Sometimes you get maybe right. 10 minutes. Sometimes you get a half hour. 40. That's the time I need to use to make dinner, get ready for tomorrow. Like, that's the window there. So I can't sit there and watch that show. Understood. I, I have one observation about that show because I saw it on Thursday night before Bucks Cowboys. I did not see it on Sunday night. I saw it Thursday night. I, I have no issue with any of the people on that show. I like Tariko a lot. Um, I have not gotten a big taste of Drew Brees yet. I, I didn't watch the Notre Dame game that was streaming only on Peacock, so I didn't hear him do a game. There's like 500 people on that pregame show. Maria Taylor, Chris Sims, Tariko, Dungy, Florio, Brees. Then they and, have Collinsworth kid. And, oh, yeah, uh, Jack Rodney Collinsworth, Harrison, yeah. Rodney... Oh my God. I mean, listen, it's good. Everyone has jobs and everyone's making money. So that should be, that's a good thing. But my God, there's a lot of people. I mean, if you notice the legendary iconic studio shows, it's usually the same cast and it's, you know, for, you know, Barkley, Kenny, Shaq, Ernie Johnson. That's it. Marv, right. Irv Cross, Phyllis George, Jimmy the Greek. Even, you know, Terry Howie, Jimmy, and then, you know, Menifee and James Brown. Like, when you have that many people, I think it's hard to stand out and be a show that people love. What and was I, your second? 
I personally would rather just to finish that. Like I'm a Maria Taylor fan and I like Chris Sims. I think they bring personality to it. Drew Brees really doesn't do anything for me. And I'll admit it's maybe a little biased because I hate him being a Falcons fan. I hate the Saints, but he just was kind of bland. I'd rather have personality with Tariqo, Maria Taylor, Chris Sims than I would Tony Dungy drone on or or Drew Brees. But the other thing in place of the point of these pregame shows can we are we at the point yet where we can all agree making a pick without the spread is useless? The NFL well, is now in bed with gambling. Stop giving us these picks without the spread. It's pointless. You're wasting everybody's time. I agree with you, but they're following the NFL's orders. They have no choice. But I did notice this. I did notice this. I did watch a little bit of the Fox pregame show on Sunday. If I'm home between 12 and 1, it's the Fox show I put on. I don't watch the other ones. And I did notice this. They did picks and they all gave how many they're going to win by. So they gave scores I, or the, just the number? They, no, it was, it was uh, I like the Packers by five. I like the Broncos by three. I like, I that, like the Chiefs better. by 10. So they're doing it with the spread without saying cover, not cover. Well, why you, is the NFL, why, why is that a rule when they're so in well, bed because, with gambling? Well, because, you know, because Roger Goodell, you know. they don't. Oh, they it doesn't want, make know. any sense. So we got to watch the uh, entire uh, panel of 50 people on pro on NBC uh, Night in America right. before the game starts. And they're all picking the same team because they're picking it against the, without the spread. It's stupid. Yeah. There was a stat that came down yesterday about the over-under, because I, I didn't bet it, but the over-under in the Cardinals-Titans game. It ended up going over. They had like 45 points through three quarters. The over was like 48, and then they didn't score in the third quarter. That's something to me the announcer should be saying during the game, but they'll never do that. All right. What was your second observation? That was it. That was my second one. Oh, okay. The, the, okay. The picks. I mean, there are other okay. things in detail the broadcast. I don't need to get into that. Those are the two biggest ones. I, I wish that would start a little bit later and give you a clean in. And then the fact that they do picks without the spread, that drives me nuts. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. 
It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, train of thoughts topic number two. Now I'm going to sound like a big baby and a big complainer and a big negative Nelly, but I will say this. Tom Brady was right. The single digits for defensive players, running backs, and wide receivers, it was very confusing. I found it very, you know, Jalen Ramsey's wearing number five now. I, You know, that was a big thing last night. He played well, but Brady was right. It's confusing, and it's really not necessary. I hate it. Now, it's one of those things, is it, you know, the more we watch, I, I got bothered by it on Thursday. I was bothered again yesterday. But the more you watch, it's just like, all right, whatever. You, you learn to deal with it. But it isn't necessary. Well, what's the point? At least well, the point is someone. the players get to wear the number they want to wear. Oh, I mean, come on, it's make so it, make, come on, making the players happy. Yeah, I, I guess it looks bush league to me. It's you see it in college, it's whatever. Yeah, I, I can't bizarre. get used to it. At the NFL level, it dummies down to get. It, it just makes it to me look less professional. All right, next train of thoughts topic. A couple of TV things here. Are you how much of the Manning brothers on ESPN two will you watch? Monday night during the Ravens Raiders game. So tell me what I have to do to be able to watch this. It's just flip on ESPN. Flip two on ESPN too. Yeah, you, even you can handle it. Well, I saw that Barkley is a guest, and I love Charles Barkley. So I'll probably at least be intrigued. Plus, it's not like it's a game that I can't take my attention off of it. Um, so I'll I'll check out a little bit just out of curiosity to see what's going on. You know, I tweeted this on Thursday or Friday or Saturday, I don't remember. And it ended up bearing out to be 100% true. They gave us Rams-Bears last night, which I found unwatchable. And they're giving us the Raiders against the Ravens tonight, which has no juice. And they had Dolphins-Patriots, Chiefs-Browns, and Packers-Saints, which ended up being a blowout, but you thought it would be a good game, all at the same time on 425. And... That's terrible scheduling. And then people on Twitter were telling me the reason they did it is because the NFL and the networks wanted to show off the new stadiums. They wanted to show off SoFi last night and the Vegas stadium today with fans because last year those stadiums oh. had the fans. And I just have to say this. I want to make this as clear as I possibly can. I can. I couldn't give two shits about looking at a stadium when I'm, I, I, I want to watch the football game. So let me get this straight. Instead of watching Tua versus Mac Jones and Belichick against the Dolphins, I'm supposed to get all hot and bothered and worked up about SoFi Stadium. It would be impossible for me to care less about SoFi Stadium. Impossible. They do it because of the money, right? They want to show the league is in I bed, guess. obviously. You know, the owners, and they, they want to get it out there and look at this great facility and come check it out. You're right, though. When you look at the slate of games, had the Rams-Bears been a 1 o'clock game, it would not have made one of my six TVs for the game. If right. the you know Ravens and Raiders, Raiders were on, it would have gotten lost a little bit. I'd much rather watch... Tua and the Dolphins take on Mac Jones and the Patriots. So they were better matchups. Browns Chiefs. Browns Chiefs. That should be a standalone game. Agreed. That's a primetime matchup. Now, I don't know. There's no other restrictions as far as trying to get teams in to a certain allotment of primetime games. So that doesn't matter. 
I don't think that matters in the NFL. But well, it's Sunday I, I think, or Monday, They're, every team's got a pe- Thursday, right? I think what people on Twitter, I think what people said on Twitter was correct. It was about the new stadiums. Last year didn't have fans. They wanted to show them. I, I, I it would be impossible for me to kill us about what the Raiders <laughs> Stadium in Vegas looks like on TV. <laughs> Agreed. My God. Yeah. Um, last thing here. Did you watch? I know it was, I know you had Bears Rams going on. I guess the Yankees were playing the Mets. You were like, did you watch any of the MTV Music Awards? I did not watch it live, but I saw a bunch of pictures and clips on social media. Did you watch Here's, it? Well, a couple. I watched some of it. Um, what's interesting to me about it is that this is going to be a total old man get off my yeah. lawn thing. That used to be like a top five night when we were younger. That was must-see TV back in the day. Must-see. And now it's just thrown out there like, you know, with no... uh, Maybe younger people were into it and all that. Maybe I mean, obviously, too old for it. But it used to be such a... um, Exciting, buzzworthy event. That was the event. Forget about the the movie awards. This was the one. The VMAs. Well, I remember it, you know, school was starting up and it was like opening kind of day, right? Yeah. And you would have, it was, I loved it. Now I saw, I guess, Madonna surprise people. I would have liked to have seen it. I, I don't even know who Doja Cat is. So for me to get into that is a little difficult. Right. And there was that controversial video. I know who Tiana Taylor is. I don't know who the other girl is. Uh, Maybe yeah. I am too old. Maybe we just are too old for it, but it used to be uh, great. I can't watch it now. Funny how you've managed to see that. Wow, that, those are some of the. I saw J Lo. She looked for that. That was the best thing oh, I saw yeah. on a football Sunday. Right. Was J Lo looking? Oh, that's right. You did him. text me. Right? Yeah. So I so I didn't even know the. That's what I'm saying. I didn't know the awards were going on, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, and people are like, "Oh, Madonna just came out." I'm like, "All right, well, that, you know, like if you hear MTV and you hear MTV Music Awards, I mean, that's like one of the first names, you know, iconic performers, blah blah." So I'm like, "Oh, okay, let me see what's going on here." And I flipped it on and I saw, you know, I think I saw Bieber and a couple of, but I I don't know. I, I, I Listen, the whole thing about like, I don't know who's performing and I don't know who the people are. Like that's an age thing. But what I find sad is like, it used to be this mega event. And I don't know if it's not a mega event with everyone or if it's not a mega event for me because I'm old, but it used to be, it, it used to be the thing to watch when we were like, that was like, stay home think- and watch that. I think it's because we're old and it's just that's for it's geared toward younger kids. I will say that they did themselves a disservice if they promoted Madonna was going to open the show. And I think she did. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I saw that she was a surprise. I thought the surprise open had they promoted that. I would have made a point to watch it. And without that, I'm catching it after the fact. And, you know, I just I'm just not into it anymore, which is sad. I'd rather go back and watch the old ones. I also, you know, it's such a tired sort of complaint and it's not a complaint i'm just pointing it out in terms of like it's also hard to get up for the mtv music awards when they don't play any videos it's it's <laughs> right, a, you know like true. someone's nominated i don't know what what based on what i don't know what it's based on there's no they make videos but they're not on mtv so. that is true they are the yeah. video music awards by definition yeah. and when was the last time a video was actually aired on MTV. Plus it's going against football Sunday. Like really right. nothing in my life. And even the subway series game last night didn't mean anything, but because it was at night and you only had the one game on, I check it out and it turned out to be, you know, a lot of uh, juice to it because of the, you know, the back and forth stuff, but it's week one NFL Sunday. My, my wife well, kid the, well, didn't even matter yesterday. Are you kidding me? I'm <laughs> supposed to watch the VMAs. Come on. 
I'm cutting that clip up. <laughs> that's it right there. Well, that's it. When we were kids, that show aired, I think, on like Wednesday and Thursday nights, too. That right. Was the other thing. Like, if it was on this Wednesday night with no football going on, I think more people would be locked in. But not on a Sunday when your wife and kid don't matter. No, no chance. If week one, NFL Sunday, come on now. No, nothing else. We were I mean, I was exhausted, stressed, mentally just done, and I didn't even move from the couch from 1230 or 1245 till 1 a.m. last night. But it was exhausting with all the action that was going on. Spoken, like a, ma- spoken like a man who may have lost the wager or two. Oh, my God. Thank goodness if- for Sunday night. Between the Rams, between the Rams, thankfully covering that bet and the Yankees over, I was all right last night. If 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 if, if you win the wagers during the day, you're not mentally fried at night. That that's how it works. All right, so uh, we'll give you picks. Uh, check at Sal Licata, at Sal underscore Licata on Twitter, and I'll put them in train of thoughts. And then we'll see you next week. Uh, let's so we'll talk about the Med stock next week. I had Kimmel on. Obviously, I'm no, I'm sure you'll watch it this week. So we'll talk about it next week. Once upon a time in Queens. All right, Sal. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Talk to you later. Take it easy. All right. My thanks to Jimmy Kimmel, Cousin Sal, and Sal Licata. All tremendous on this week's SI Media Podcast. If you enjoyed the interview and are not a subscriber to the SI Media Podcast, hit that subscribe button and uh, check out some past episodes. Tony Romo on the podcast last week. Other recent guests include Nate Burleson, Ian Eagle, Chris Russo, Roman Reigns, all in the archives. So check those out. Subscribe. And uh, leave a review on Apple, and I will read it next week during the Train of Thought segment. Okay. And we will see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Stay safe. Take care. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit her2results.com to learn more. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details.